imagine you have engineers who have never been in customer research sessions and then you say look we don't want you to just take tickets from product manager product manager is not just going to write tickets but we are going to solve this together you put them in a session where they are listening in and you are having a very good research sessions and then you can see light bulbs going on everywhere the design team is thinking and solving just listening to that customer and how he is facing the problem similarly you would have engineers solutionizing in their heads okay how are we going to solve it technically so it's like one of those moments when you say ah that's what we needed that's what we really needed to so make this product move forward hey everyone and welcome to for the love of product brought to you by the product led alliance I'll be your host, Tiama Hansen-Drury, Chief Product Officer at Mina Technologies and all-around passionate product aficionado. Each episode, we'll be looking at the head and the heart behind product-led growth, the passion and the practice of product, and we'll be picking the brains of seasoned CPOs and heads of products, as well as visionary founders and investors getting their inside stories. Enjoy! Um, well, thank you everyone for joining us today. I am here with Anu Varma, uh, who is the CPO at PATH, now part of NatWest Mentor. Basically what NatWest Mentor is, is it's one of the UK's leading employment law and HR, um, as well as health and safety environmental consultancy services. So there's over 300 people working there and the company previously known as PATH, uh, which Anu was the CPO at, has now been embedded as the new product engine to drive growth and help businesses manage their people and compliance better. The product they're working on is an intelligent software which streamlines HR and people admin for busy business owners and HR managers while helping them stay on top of their employment law and all those other uh, complicated compliance needs. Um, what's exciting about PATH and we're going to dive into today is it was really something that started as an idea in 2018 with just a small number of people on board, including Anu Varma, um, and has pivoted and tested its way to now being part of NatWest Mentor. So Anu, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, how are you doing? And uh, for those of us uh, listening, where are, you, where are you joining us from? Thank you so much for having me here, T. I, I'm doing very well, and I am joining from Camden, London. Fantastic. And for those uh, who are listening who may not know much about Camden, anything you would tell them? I, I particularly have a love for Camden. It was the first place I worked when I uh, moved to the UK, um, but maybe that's because I come from Seattle that makes me like it. What would you tell people is kind of the vibe or the culture of Camden? Oh, it's, it's I, I guess most people would know that Camden has a reputation of being slightly quirky but it is equally very beautiful and uh, very green and a great vibe, great cafes and great places to eat as well. Yes. I, I remember when I was moving there, someone told me that, um, or moving to the UK, I should say, they told me that Camden was kind of like Seattle um, in the 90s in terms of the culture and uh, the kind of love for grunge and um, artistry and kind of the creative spirit. And I definitely found that to be true when I was working there. Indeed, I agree. Yeah. Okay. So it'll be fun to dive into how that how that environment works with um, fin the fintech space and such. But um, when we were going through in first meeting on you, I asked you, like I often ask our guests, you know, what is it that you're really hoping to achieve by being on, you know, for the love of product? You know, is there an area of passion that you want to talk about? And for you, you were really clear. Uh, it was kind of how culture um, has the ability to drive success or failure, both in any business but also in your own personal journey. Um, and I, I would love to maybe start off today with talking a little bit about that journey and, um, you know, 
some of the pivotal points for you in that in that path to what is now CPO? Sure. So I think uh, when we started speaking about and I started looking back at my journey, what stood out to me was how now the things that matter most to me were the things that were impacting me when I was uh, an individual contributor or a product manager or a manager of a small team. And it may might not have occurred to me, but most of the changes or most of the decisions I were making in my career were because of culture. And as I have reached the position where I am leading a team and I am in a senior leadership position, I realize there is so much power or uh, power is the wrong word. There's so much um, influence that as a senior leader, you hold on the culture of the team. And it becomes a, a responsibility, which I take really strongly to influence and make the environment for my team perfect so that they are enjoying their work and you know living up to the potential that they have. That makes perfect sense. Um, and I'm sure that many people listening think that sounds, yeah, perfectly reasonable. Um, give us an example of how culture has, you know, either had a adverse effect on, you know, your own um, journey and product or maybe an accelerating effect. Yeah, I would say, you know, I am sure everybody would agree that lots of your decisions will be sort of getting impacted by the nature of culture in your team. Say, for example, when I was an individual contributor and uh, culture would seem to push me forward and make, you know, uh, become extremely great at my work because, you know, there's a very collaborative team and it works spectacularly and you're producing great product. But then if culture is not working, I would decide to leave and move on, as do many people. And so then you keep moving and jumping and jumping. And then uh, ultimately now I'm in this position and I realize that it is ultimately my responsibility to ensure the culture is the one that is helping everybody enjoy and you know, grow in their own careers and stay on and enjoy the work. Yes, indeed. What was your first experience with product culture um, and what a good good culture looks like? Well, first experience would be a very long time back. So let me see, what what should I, I would say the culture is always an evolving piece and, uh, you know, it does change with the teams, with the managers, as you go through different managers within the same company, the culture changes. And uh, I would say in my earliest roles, I have been very lucky to have extremely good um, mentors and managers who were, you know, I was one of those very enthusiastic young person who has come into the team wanting to learn and prove myself. But they were very good people who were trying to help balance me out and leading me on in the right direction, which is which was obviously very good. And then to on the flip side, there are sometimes when you hit a point where you feel like look, I'm not going to get any further than this. And I feel like I have that energy and I have the drive and I have so many great ideas. So how do I take them forward? And then that culture sometimes feels limiting. Might be because it has evolved or the company has grown. So the culture has changed. And then it feels like, oh gosh, I got to move on. I got to try out something new. And those sort of become an inflection point. And I feel as as in the position I am in today, I feel like you know you hold the responsibility to ensure you are maintaining the culture as you grow the business as well. Yeah, yes, absolutely. What advice would you give to a, um, a baby Anu, right? A, a product a person who has aspirations to become a product leader. What advice would you have to them to try and evaluate the culture um, and really understand it? Because sometimes people may not really 
um, be thinking directly um, or intentionally around culture. Uh, and yet there's signs or signals that people can look for. So what would your advice be to somebody to kind of take a step back at where they're at in their product journey right now or their product leadership journey and evaluate what is the culture? Yeah, definitely. I think just as a product person, you can assess whether you are helping support the culture. So for example, when I look back, I feel quite often, and I guess uh, it is possible scenario in most companies, you get a very sales-driven culture where you know the sales manager <laughs> decides what should be on the roadmap. And then uh, if it is a particularly strong person, then you might have, you know, I, I'm losing a contract with a, one big client, so please leave whatever you're doing and turn this new feature around in a week's time. But what then happens is then you become a team that is just serving small individual uh, needs, but you're not looking at uh, the strategic marketplace and how you're growing strategically as a product. So in general, you know, as a product manager, you can just take a step back and see how are you influencing? Because ultimately every product manager is the only power that you have is of influence. And all that you do is you're influencing your senior stakeholders to agree with the strategic priorities that you're coming with. Then equally you're uh, influencing your engineers, your designers. So everywhere you look, the product manager is just influencing and making decisions just by virtue of that and helping align the strategic roadmap. Yes. I was speaking with someone recently and they told me um, a phenomenon that they had observed at their company was that product discovery didn't seem to be working quite well. Um, and kind of the example of it that made them say that is that they felt that oftentimes what they were building was what stakeholders asked for. Um, and sometimes it was really important stakeholders. Uh, you know, they were mentioning it might even be the CEO. Um but as you mentioned, that doesn't really allow you to have influence over um, what's being built and the value that's being created. So if you were a product manager um, or an individual contributor even, um, who, who sees that type of a culture in the place that they're working, what would you say to them? Like, can they, can they find a, a more successful path forward staying at that company? Does it mean that they have to leave and find someone who's more advanced in product culture? Like, what would you advise to somebody? It's such a great question because, you know, as an individual contributor, how do you handle a scenario where a senior leader comes and tells you exactly what feature to produce? And it is definitely very challenging. And my advice would be, uh, you know, there are multiple strategies to, uh, to consider. One is to really question, and this I know my team does that to me as well. Hopefully I haven't been in a position where I'm dictating what to build. But I know it does happen when I would say, OK, why aren't we doing this? And they would come and say, what is our objective? What are we? What do you want us to produce? What is the key result you're looking for? And then that makes me take a step back and think, OK, what, what is the strategic direction of the product? What are we trying to achieve here? And if you sort of make your senior stakeholders articulate what is the problem statement and what is the key results they are looking for, I think it then goes into the space where everybody sort of collaborating in that sort of design thinking instead of a senior stakeholder solutionizing and saying, well, this is exactly the problem and this is exactly the solution that has to be. Absolutely. And I suppose, you know, for, for someone who's in that position, you know, if they take that kind of proactive approach and try to kind of reframe the discussion around what is the problem that we're trying to solve um, and they don't get a good response, then that in itself may be a very telling piece about the culture of where they're at. Indeed, yes, absolutely. 
Yeah. Okay. So one of the things that we would tell to, to folks who are trying to evaluate their culture is take a look around and understand, you know, what degree do you have influence over shaping what's being built, right? Not just um, project managing a list of backlog items or a, a list of features. Any other um, advice that you would give to somebody who's trying to evaluate is their culture uh, the right culture, because if our hypothesis today is that culture can be a make it or break it, let's give them some other uh, tips to kind of evaluate how um, conducive the culture is at their current situation. Yeah, the other thing I could suggest is evaluating how many risks they are taking. If Are they building products based on hypotheses and risks and the uh, ideas are you know, completely novel because that's how you will create something which is strategically different than what is already there in the market. But equally then, then comes back to the question of is the culture supportive of failure? Because as you take more risk, there are chances that whatever you put out there is complete failure. And then how does the team feel about it? And are the senior leadership equally the team supportive of the fact that many of these risks are going to fail, many of these experiments are going to fail? There are learnings in there which you will take forward, but you know the culture has to be one which is constantly testing and learning and growing. Absolutely, I think that that's one of those buzz terms. If um, you know, if I can be a bit provocative, that I feel like so many companies these days they spouse that they are test and learn oriented, um, and that they are always testing, or you know, they're always looking to um, challenge themselves and take risks. Uh, it's easy to say that that's something that you achieve or you want to achieve, but it's probably very diff different than executing that effectively and creating that culture. Um, one of the things that come to mind is the concept of psychological safety. Yeah, because it's a, it's a, it's not always spoken about with product, but I actually think it's probably one of the most useful questions for yourself is, you know, do your, do your team, team members feel uh, safe in, you know, kind of, their their existence at work. And I think if they don't feel safe to take risks because the fear of failure is something that is not supported, um, that's probably a pretty good question for any leader who's thinking, okay, great, I want to do what Anu said. I want to create a culture of experimentation and of uh, not dissent, but healthy discussion, right? Um, and if you're if you don't think that your teams feel safe in challenging you um, respectfully, there's probably a sign that you have some work to do on creating the right culture. Yeah, absolutely. I think in general, the principles in all meetings at all levels is that people are questioning. If everybody is sat in a room agreeing that the idea is fantastic and let's go and build it, then it's not a successful meeting. And that in itself should lead to a question rounds. Did we see it from all perspectives? And to the point that you were making earlier, I think the whole, the whole uh, idea about a product team or a squad feeling empowered about the product they're working on, which is, you know, in on paper, I feel that every company and every business would say, yes, our teams are empowered. They are making their decisions. But then when on a day-to-day -day basis, on a tactical basis, you will see that they are many times disrupted and you know, uh, decisions are forced upon them. So really questioning where whether the squad is empowered to make decisions and choose the strategic directions for the product as well. 
I'd love you to say more about that, both, I mean, as your firsthand experience as an individual contributor, um, but also as what you're trying to create at PATH, um, or now NatWest Mentor, right? You know, what are the signs that would be a red flag to you, right, that, um, you know, you need to kind of come back to center again? Because as you were saying, even you yourself as a leader, sometimes you catch yourself and I don't want to tell them what to build, right? So do you have a kind of alert system that if you think, oh, wait, the fact that this is happening, I probably need to work and take a step back, you know, on making sure that the the product discovery element is really there, that I'm I'm setting my teams up for success. And it's the hardest type of leadership, I think, right? It's so much easier to have command and control of go out, do these things versus enabling them, as you said, I guess, empowering them to really discover the value that can be built and um, built in a way that works for your business, but solves the pain of the customer. Any red flags that you would say for somebody who's like, okay, yeah, that might be happening in my team today. Yeah, I think even I sometimes, I always have to ensure that I haven't stepped into the solutionizing mode because naturally you see a problem and you would come very quickly think about a solution and you will spout it out. But as you are uh, growing in your career, you would realize that what you suggest in a room becomes like a very important uh, point of view. And I do try to ensure that, you know, I haven't started solutionizing and I'm giving everybody the space to collaborate and think laterally and, uh, uh, you know, not just coming in and saying, look, let's let's just solve this right now. So that is one red flag, which I stop myself. But in general, if I look at how squad is doing, it's just getting that sense of health check. So I, I like to keep in touch with uh, most of my team, all of my team. And I guess just knowing that everybody has ownership of an area and they know exactly what uh, they are working on and they're delivering their mark on their own product. That's something I really like to have in the culture. So I, I think that's definitely happening in the team today. Everybody has really clear ownership, be it design, content, research or product. They know exactly what they are doing and what is their contribution to that big product vision, which is which is good because if if it is not there, you would see lots of people trying to do lots of things and then not excelling at anything. And then too many cooks as well into one small area, whichever is of very high interest in the business at that moment. So, but then uh, that becomes another red flag. If you yeah. things are delayed, if just too many people are involved in one small decisions. Yeah. Absolutely. And your velocity gets impacted as a, as a result, right? So, okay, great. So if I was going to sum that up, um, there's kind of three areas that you think are uh, a, a hallmark of good culture. I want to say it back to you to see if this uh, fits you. Um, so the first is that as an individual contributor or even as a team lead, um, right, but that you can really see the influence that you have within the organization, right, um, and that it's not just, you know, kind of order order management, right? I think, um, you know, Marty Kagan uh, talked a lot about that in his first book, Inspired, where it was kind of the mercenary versus the missionary, right? So are these people feeling like they are missionaries and they're able to, like, take that forward and really shape and um, you know, kind of uh, shape and influence, or are they just kind of, you know, executing on, on contract mercenary style? Um, the next one is risk. And, you know, how often are either if you're the IC, you know, how often are you really taking risk? Um, if you're the team lead, 
um, or even the, you know, the product lead, you know, leader within the organization, how often are your teams taking risks? And what does that tell you about the culture? Um, and is there something there that maybe you want to you wanna work towards? Um, and then the third one is really ownership and people really understanding the ownership uh, that they have. And that probably feeds quite nicely back into the influence because if they know that they own it, then they know how they can influence it. Does that sound right? Three tips for good culture from Anu Varma. You have summarized it quite well. Yes. <laughs> okay, cool. So then let's switch gears um, quickly into, you know, what's happening at NatWest Mentor today. I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about what you're doing to be intentional with culture and setting up you know, for this next stage of growth, right? For you guys to have gone from a few, a handful of people, you know, in 2018 to now being, you know, the production or the product engine of a, a major bank, right? Uh, component of that. Tell us about it. What are you going to do? What are you What are you trying to create? Yeah. So the problem statement that happens whenever you have you know a small young business merging with an existing big corporate is that you have a clash of culture because Path was small team, very agile, very hypothesis led testing and this and that and you know quick turnaround, and then we are part of a bigger corporate which is cautious and has to be by nature. They have been in existence for thirty odd years or more, and then. Uh, this is not the sort of culture they have been used to. So obviously, how do you then bring these two teams together and make the teams work so that they are producing the best product out there? And we've, we've, uh, I would say it's work in progress, but I think we are definitely at a place that we all feel as part of one team. It's been going on for a year now, but I think now I can safely say that we are, we are very much together and very much on the same page to being that sort of agile empowered team. One of the things that we have done is have very clear squads, each with ownership of specific product vertical and every squad has their own objectives and key results. So they're all working towards their OKR, clear ownership there, cross-functional squads with um, obviously engineering, product design and content. So you have everything located in within a product, uh, within a squad and they are working together and solving problems together. And so, yeah, you know, this is something that I think that especially in the fintech space where there's so many incumbents and there's so many challengers, the likely, um, you know, outcome of that is there will be a lot of acquisition, a lot of mergers, and that will be a problem where there's very different kind of DNAs for those teams being absorbed into much more by nature and by requirement, um, different DNAs. So any other advice that you'd give for folks who are going through that and are looking at how can we make sure that we have a shared culture in this team that's made up of two very different kind of histories and two very different approaches? Yeah, I would say what has worked for us is having very clear lines of communication and being very open about decisions we make, our ways of working and having a very collaborative environment. Uh, and then actually proving what we are saying, really. So, for example, when we started merging, we said, look, we do lots of customer research and we go out and do all of these things. And it'll be very exciting to work together and you know, do all these hypotheses led product discovery and then delivery. But then if you don't actually take them on that journey, how are they ever going to know that there is this brave, beautiful new world of creating products where it's completely different from how it was done 10 years back? So you're really taking them along on the journey and really making it very visible to the whole business that this is how product is being built these days. And uh, that definitely does support uh, and help move the culture forward. 
Yeah, I can imagine. It's so powerful to see the proof of uh, an approach rather than just hear about the benefits of it. Do you have any um, particular stories that have stood out for you over your over your journey where you've kind of seen that light bulb moment go off for someone? Yeah, uh, there are so many. Let me see, what can I bring out? Yeah, I think specifically what happens is uh, for Imagine, you know, you have engineers who have never been in customer research sessions. And then you say, look, we don't want you to just take tickets from product manager. Product manager is not just going to write tickets, but we are going to solve this together. And then you put them in a session where they are listening in and you are having a very good research sessions. And then you can see light bulbs going on everywhere. The design team is thinking and solving, just listening to that uh, customer and how he's facing the problem. Similarly, you would have engineers solutionizing in their heads, okay, how are we going to solve it technically? So it's like one of those moments when you say, ah, that's what we needed. That's what we really needed to so make this product move forward. That's, it's, it's so inspiring. And I think that it's, um, you know, that empowerment, right? And that understanding of the ability to really solve problems as opposed to just create out, output, right? Um, is It's what most people live for in product, right? And I think once you experience that, it becomes so fulfilling that you don't ever want to go back. So I wish you luck with your teams and continuing in that culture. You know, is there, um, as we kind of come to an end, is there something that you think a year from now, like, yeah, I'll be really proud if we've achieved this from a culture perspective. Is there something that kind of is is your own vision that you're going for? I think it's almost a journey because, you know, you've, uh, when I joined this uh, business, there was in my mind um, a sort of a vision of how the culture should be. And then taking and, you know, different things kept happening. Like we were a small team. Uh, lots of people had joined from different corporates. They had never worked on an MVP. And here I was telling them to design a product that, that doesn't exist. They're designing a proposition. They don't even know what I'm asking them to do. And so that was a different uh, era. And then we merged into a much bigger business. And that brought along a very different sort of perspectives. And then culture evolved again. So I would say there is that vision that, you know, everybody is happy and flourishing and collaborative and enjoying their work and uh, living up to their passions but equally how do you evolve every time something new comes in comes along and how do you ensure that uh, the culture that you set up is continued onwards and upwards and it's very much you know a living thing it changes every day I would say yeah Absolutely. Well, it sounds like it's going to be an an, an exciting place to work. And I wouldn't be surprised if you have some people checking out NatWest Mentor after this, uh, because it sounds like an inspiring culture that you're building there, Anu. That's fabulous. And we would love that. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, The last question I'm going to ask you is something we ask all of our guests uh, when they join, which is just a fun exercise, really. Um, You know, if you were, if there was, say, a museum in the world of the world's best products, right? Um, What do you think should be in there and why? Is there a specific product that really stands out to you that you would say that has to be there? Is it one product or am I choosing multiple products? <laughs> well, you can certainly tell us a few if there's things that you have a hard time deci- deciding before between. Okay, maybe I'll choose two. Okay, tell us two. Um, one just for the uh, the whole concept of it is so noble. It's so old, such an old product and it has served its need for so long. And that's Microsoft Excel, which I feel is it's 
such a great thing to have built. When I was in school, that was probably when it came out and you know, I've worked for a very long time. And it is still there and it still works very well. And you can have a very simple exercise as well as very complicated exercise. It fits all. So I love Microsoft Excel. I amen to that. Uh, I think most, most uh, product people who have to pour through data appreciate a good spreadsheet. I do, yeah, I do have another product and this is, this is more in concept. And this is more as a gentle reminder to product people that product can never be perfect. So always ship it. And that's, uh, I would say, a driftwood, which is a product of nature. And, you know, it brings out the wabi-sabi principle that everything in nature is imperfect, incomplete and impermanent. And as will always be any product. So create something and ship it out. Ah. Inspiring words, Anu. Thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, we wish you all the best of luck with building the right culture and driving uh, the mission forward at NatWest Mentor. Thank you so much, Tease. Thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. Thanks for listening to the podcast, guys. Be sure to share the word of product-led growth far and wide and let your colleagues, friends, family, neighbors, and anyone you think who would like to know that there's a kick-ass product podcast on offer from the product-led audience. If you haven't already, don't forget to sign up to the Slack community and check out all our other great content, upcoming events, and other ways to get involved at productledalliance.com. And let's come back again next time to talk more about the head, the heart of product.